Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Coming to you on a Monday evening after a weekend in which things could not have gone much worse, borderline catastrophically so, for Iowa State, both in men's and women's basketball in Greensboro, North Carolina, Knoxville, Tennessee, both programs lose in pretty heartbreaking, uh, ruthless fashion. I don't know. I guess, Randy, I'll, I'll ask you what your word to describe it. But the men have one of the worst shooting performances in NCAA history and lose to a pretty mediocre pit team. The Iowa State women lose as a heavy favorite to a Toledo team and get bounced in the first round in a year where they had serious and legitimate final four hopes and dreams that uh, were dashed for various reasons throughout the year. But man, Randy, tough, tough weekend. If you're an Iowa state fan. Yeah, it was, it was Travis. Um, The Iowa state women is the one that surprised me the most. I mean, that was Bill's old school. Um, but that 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 I would not say that surprised me. That shocked me. Um, but uh, I can no no no. It was just anyway. As you look at it, there were upsets throughout the the bracket. So, but as far as the men's teams, I think you and I talked about this shortly after the game that we knew this day was coming. We knew this day could be coming. We knew they could shoot. Um, we knew how 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 a bad shooting day could be on the, on the horizon. And by golly, um, I mean, Iowa state was two out of whatever they were two for 21, um, three point range. Um, in the second half, Iowa state was one out of 10, uh, one out of 11 in the first half. It was just, this was a, um, this was a beating, a bad one by, like you said, a mediocre team. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, they never got into a rhythm. They never ever got into a rhythm, and nobody was, 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 um, nobody w- was a go-to, which that's something we've seen happen before. But uh, um, usually, they at some points they've been able to weather through it, but. But uh, Friday, it was just, it was just darn near ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of issues kind of coalesced all at the same time. You know, where you you're asking a lot of guys that are probably playing out of position or out of role. The Caleb Grill dismissal at March probably hurt you here big time because you just don't have enough shooters on the floor, and not shooters in the sense of you know, guys that will make a shot when you're struggling as badly as Iowa State was, because certainly some of that is flukish. But in that, you know, Pitt just decided we're not going to guard for the most part out of, you know, 12 or 15 feet. And when you do that, everything gets harder and it gets in your head and things just completely break down. And I think, 
you know, we saw a lot of the issues over the last two years, you know, rear their head in uh, in ugly fashion. And I think the timing is bad. The look is terrible. I mean, it, it does do brand damage when you go out and don't get a basket for 10 minutes in the first half and then shoot worse in the second half and score 41 points, struggle to break 40 in the NCAA tournament in a game you should win. I mean, if, if Iowa State and Pitt played 10 times, I'm guessing Iowa State wins eight of those. I mean, they're just a better basketball team. Pitt was not impressive. Iowa State was just terrible, terrible, terrible offensively. I think the moment got to them early. I think that was part of the problem early on. They seemed like they had, and Randy, you can probably speak to this as you were sitting courtside and I was watching from the basement of Wells Fargo Arena on a like a kitchen tabletop size TV that <laughs> it seemed like they were their eyes were big, their their nerves overtook them a little bit and then you see it you know 20 to 2 and damn man like they they did do well to come back and make a game of it there for a little while but i just thought that a lot of things went wrong at the wrong time but they they went wrong in ways that were predictable probably not to this extreme but you know this team was probably playing over its head for a long time offensively certainly into january it was and you know i think you saw the flip side of you can play over your head and then you can play well below your means as well. And I, I will say this, that Pittsburgh was, I think, probably underseeded at an, at an, at an 11. Um, you know, we saw that, what, a couple of years ago? When did Iowa State play Ohio State? 2019. Uh, Tulsa, whatever that was. Tulsa was the, the, the worst seeded, the worst of the two seeds in that game, I think. And Tulsa was – or and. Ohio State was underseeded, but I think I think Pittsburgh as an at an eleven and having to to um, um I don't know, man. They were seventy seven in Kempom, like that's well, twenty spots higher than Mississippi State was. Twenty five spots higher than Mississippi State was. Like, yeah, that's just not a very good basketball team. Like nice story, like they they won the game. They were certainly better on Thursday, but that's not a very good basketball team. Iowa State just played horribly. Like we saw an Iowa State team that scored 36 points at Hilton Coliseum last year. And this was, even though they scored more points, we saw that, a yeah. worse offensive performance given the stage and the stakes. Right. And, and um, there's nobody that played well. Taman Lipsy probably played the best um, on the team. And that, he played 35 minutes. I mean, in the his first NCAA tournament, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and he grabs 10 rebounds. I mean, that's, he was. I, I talked to him after the game, and he was he was dragging, man, and 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 so be it. I mean, I mean, so he, he should have been. It was it was. Uh, and Jaron Holmes played thirty seven minutes, and Gabe played thirty six minutes. Um, and at this time of the year, that's that's really tough, especially when you're not when you're not um, playing well. So um, yeah, this was a. This was a flukish thing from Iowa State, but it's something that we saw, saw something similar probably coming, maybe not as bad as it was, as bad as it happened. But, I mean, look at look at some of these stats. Iowa State played pretty darn good defense despite the problems. Iowa, Iowa State um, forced 15 turnovers. Iowa State um, held their own on the boards. I, I think – I think Iowa State needs to get a shooter. I'm sorry, we've said this for how many years? And I and talking to TJ on whatever that would be Saturday morning, 
after the game at the at the team hotel before they jumped on the bus to jump on the plane. I mean, one of the first things he said was Taman's going to work on his shot. And they, you know, and they, it was, it took, it took opponents probably all of about a third of the season to figure out that he wasn't going to shoot from, you know, from beyond 10 feet or so. And, but at that point in time, it was TJ, the kid was a freshman. He was just learning the ropes. Um, he wasn't even supposed to be the starting point guard. And TJ wasn't at that time going to switch you know, tell him to start shooting. So that's going to be one of the huge emphasis this um, this summer is is getting him to work on an outside shot. And and Jeremiah Williams, you know, TJ used to said if he can get back sometime this this uh, this summer, early fall, you know, he he likes that combination of of Jeremiah Williams and Taman. Um, both being the playmakers, both on the floor at the same time. So I guess we'll just see going forward. And, and with the right now, a recruiting class that's ranked seventh nationally, we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed and see what happens going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think when you lose a game like that in the NCAA tournament, it's easy. The, the tendency, the habit would be to make grand pronunciations about the program, when you've seen the offensive struggles of the last two years to make, you know, a grand declarative statement about TJ Otzelberger basketball, and this is the problem and on and on and on. And I think, it, I mean, it's fair to say they've been horrible offensively for two years, borderline horrible offensively for the last two years have had horrible moments, certainly offensively, but it's not like they don't know that this is not the plan. The plan is not to stink offensively and then hope you bring enough games out defensively. I mean, I think, you know, Randy, we talked about it all the time last spring. We've talked about it this winter. Like we thought the backcourt was going to be Tyrese Hunter and AJ green. That's pretty damn good offensive backcourt. It, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't come together, but like that is the plan for that was the plan for Iowa state. The plan is not to, you know, play this disgusting, down in the mud defense only brand brand of brand of basketball, excuse me, exclusively. I think, you know, the one thing that I have found in my decade of knowing TJ Otzelberger as a basketball coach is he's very pragmatic and very clear eyed in self-evaluation. And I think they know they got to give up a little bit defensively to get a little bit better offensively, just in terms of the players that you're recruiting, like they got to be better on that end. And I think they've made efforts to do that. Now the, the issue becomes executing in your roster construction and you've never had more options with the transfer portal and you've never had more competition, not only with schools willing to take transfers, but schools or excuse me, their collectives able to pay players. And that is a sandbox that obviously Iowa state has to play in but we'll see, you know, how deep their war chest is essentially in getting those not elite transfers, but can you get those tier two, the tier three guys to Iowa state that, you know, are proven high major players or mid-major stars. That'll be the key here because I don't think this is the offensive system that TJ Otzelberger and his staff want to run. This isn't the style of basketball that they're married to playing. I think these are pragmatic decisions when you take over a two and 22 roster, how do we get relevant as quick as possible, which obviously they did in a big way. And then when you're, you know, you trying to thread the needle there a little bit in the spring when that doesn't work out. And I think that was obviously a risk worth taking with AJ 
when that doesn't work out, how do you then pivot when, oh, oh, by the way, your starting point guard blows his Achilles. How do you pivot into having success? And they've had ways to do that. So I think obviously by going to the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. So I think obviously after back-to-back NCAA tournaments, you should be, if you're an Iowa State fan, I think nothing but bullish on your future on that top 10 recruiting class that you had coming in. But I think you should also be relaxed in that the thing that has really drug you down the last two years is not a feature is not on purpose for what Iowa state's trying to do. It's rather a byproduct of putting a roster together on the fly. And I think now that you see Iowa state having a little more time to put these rosters together with recruiting, that'll change. That's yeah. And he's, I think Iowa state knows what's wrong. And I think they have, you know, they're obviously setting out a plan to fix it. And he's not going to hit the portal as, as hard as he has in the past. I doubt it. I mean, they'll go at, they'll pick, they'll probably get two, maybe three guys out of the portal and that'll be it. It won't be six, seven, eight guys like they, like they've done in the past. That's, that's just my guess. Of course, assuming that the roster doesn't, assuming that, that the players that st- most of the players that stay, the we the ones we anticipate staying stay unless there's any surprises. So so that's a good thing too, and it goes to your point about the they're they're getting the roster the way they want it. This is the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and fourteen sixty KXNO. When we return, we'll talk Iowa State women's basketball with our Des Moines Register colleague Tommy Birch. When we come back, this is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. If you missed any of our first segment talking about the debacle in Greensboro with Iowa State's first round loss to Pitt, be sure to check out our podcast wherever it is you listen to your podcast. We're going to switch gears now to another disappointing outcome for Iowa State fans this weekend, of which that seemed to be the exclusive outcome with the Iowa State women being upset by Toledo 80-73 in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're going to bring in Tommy Birch, who is just now back, I think 48 hours, 72 hours after the game, uh, finally has gotten back to Des Moines to talk to us about what went wrong, not only Saturday for the Iowa State women, but in a year where they had Final Four aspirations for them to just really come up short in the NCAA tournament uh, again, uh, after the injuries that they had, Tommy, I'm rambling a little bit, but give us your thoughts on how this thing ended for Iowa state. Yeah. I mean, kind of fittingly, I guess, for how the season has gone, just wildly inconsistent, um, incredibly disappointing in a lot of ways. I think the biggest question, um, that I had for Bill Fenley and a lot of players afterwards was what do you consider a successful season? And was this one, uh, a successful season for you guys because in a lot of ways they did a lot of really good things. You know, you won 22 games, you won a big 12, you know, tournament title. But like you had said before, there were just so many expectations and they never shied away from them. You mentioned Final Four. And I remember at Big 12 Media Day, Bill Fenley telling the story that over the summer, you know, the team had four up and around the facility everywhere. It's like as a reminder, like, we want to play in the final four. That's our hope. That's our expectation. 
And the fact that they did not shy away from those expectations and did not meet them too, I think tells you everything you need to know about whether or not it was a successful season or not. I mean, hey, hey, Tommy, what what happened to the shooting? I mean, I mean, my gosh, the men and the women combined, combined, were eight for fifty-two in the NCAA tournament from three-point range. I mean, I, yeah, it's, I get it with I get it with the men, but. I didn't think the women would contribute like it did. I mean, was it anything that Toledo did defensively or, or was it just no. once? It was no, I mean, happening? no, I mean, that's kind of been the issue for Iowa State all season is they have not shot well from three-point range. They've had some moments, but I think that's been the biggest surprise is you look at what they did last year. You look at how good of a shooting team they were and who they had back, who – you know, who those people coming back were, they were all players with a long history and a track record of being strong shooters. And Iowa State, for one reason or another, just could not get it going this season. And, you know, I think one of the reasons that I've kind of come up with, but really doesn't pinpoint the reason for the early season struggles is maybe a little bit of fatigue, knowing that that bench was extremely shortened without having Stephanie Suarez, without having Beatrice Stordow, um, you know, forcing Emily Ryan, Lexi Donarski, Ashley Jones to play 38, 39, 40 minutes a game, practically never coming out of the game. That explains the problems to a certain degree, but probably doesn't solve the problems. Like, okay, um, if you just go on fix those minutes up, maybe it's, it goes back to normal next year because, like I said, it was an issue during the season. It was an issue early on in the middle and at the end of the season. There were moments where it got better, but not long enough stretches that really made you feel confident about this team going forward. Tommy, Tommy obviously – Go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. Tommy obviously, winning the, the Big 12 tournament is a huge accomplishment and I would imagine takes a little bit of the sting out of the, the first-round loss – for Iowa State and its fans. But I just, watching that game unfold on TV, I was just struck by, you know, the thought that you had eight combined seasons with Bridget Carlton and Ashley Jones, one where they were together. But overall, eight combined seasons, and you have one Sweet 16 to show for it. I mean, is that that when you look back on this in five or ten years, is that going to be – where you look back and are just like, man, that just, it's crazy that that's all they got out of two of the best players in school history. And obviously there are unique situations and circumstances around both of those, especially, Hey, by the way, you didn't have an NCAA tournament one of those years because of COVID, but is that, is that going to sting for Iowa state and their fans to have only had one sweet 16 with those two players? Yeah, I don't think the lack of big 12 tournament titles or regular season titles is what's going to sting because of you look at it, it was like Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. You know, Baylor was the best team in the nation. For so many times, so many years, you're playing for second place. I think was going to sting, like you said, the lack of Sweet 16s, especially when you go back and you look at Bridget Carlton's senior year. Iowa State is hosting. They have Southwest Missouri State coming in. You win that game. I, I think that's who the opponent was. I know it was Ellie Ruffridge's team, the Iowa native. Um, Bridget Carlton, senior year. The red carpet is essentially rolled out for you to go with the Sweet 16. They had a big lead in that game, could not finish it off. So I think in the end, that's what's going to sting a little bit more is knowing that, like, okay, 
out of all those years between Ashley Jones, Bridget Carlton, you got one big, you got one sweet 16 appearance. And I think what makes it even tougher is knowing that like this year, the year you were supposed to make a deep run, like, man, you didn't even come close to doing it. Tommy, what's going to, what's next year look like? I mean, you're losing Ash, obviously. Um, What's, you know, where would Iowa State be picked next year? And yeah, I think they're going to be kind of a middle of the pack team, maybe three, four, somewhere in there. You know, you're still going to have Texas. Texas is going to be really good. Oklahoma is going to be really good. Iowa State has a ton of experience coming back with Lexi, you know, with Emily Ryan. They've obviously got a huge recruiting class coming in with Danae Fritz. Trucks. Danae Fritz, Danae. my favorite player. Yes. Yep, Danae Fritz coming back too, but – you know, I think kind of the big uh, the big question mark going forward is what's going to happen with Stephanie Schwartz. Does she get the medical waiver to come back for another year? Even if she gets that waiver, does she decide to come back for another year? I think at this point, kind of kind of the rumblings I've heard and kind of my understanding of the entire situation is even if she gets the waiver. Like, man, it's going to be a really tough decision for her to come back knowing she could be a WNBA draft pick. When would that happen? When would she get that information back, or do you have any idea? I mean, they're hoping to know by the end of the month, but realistically, you know as well as anybody, the NCAA kind of operates under their own timetable. (laughs) And, um, you know, right now, Iowa State's waiting. I think the good news for Iowa State is the NCAA asked for some more information regarding Stephanie, so at least they're considering it, but... Like I had said before, it could be all a moot point if she decides, like, okay, I'm getting the feedback that I hear from WNBA teams. I could be a first-round draft pick. I'm not even going to worry about coming back to college next year. He's Tommy Birch of the Des Moines Register. The other one here is Randy Peterson of the Des Moines Register. I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.